The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Third and final hour of the show, leading you into the stadium series here on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also chatting with you on X, formerly Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. So before the break, as I mentioned, I'm concerned about the Knicks. I'm concerned about the Knicks and what they are going to be able to do coming back after the All-Star break. I am happy that they had the days off. They limped into the, into the All-Star break having lost four in a row. But, I, but I, I look at that and I'm not, I'm not upset because I realized what they were able to put on the court. I understand what, who was available. And in the last game, I mean, most people weren't available. Don't, here's what I tell you about how badly they were hurt that last game. Jacob Toppin played almost 12 minutes in that game. Jacob Toppin. So that tells you all you need to know about how tough and how injured and how short man that team was because of injury. And the question becomes, how will they hold the line until Ananobi and Randall get back? And we're not going to know about Randall for another couple of weeks when he'll be reevaluated. And Anobi had the bone chips removed. So I don't expect either one of them back before the end of March. And so right now, they are a half game ahead of Philadelphia for fifth place and a game and a half behind Milwaukee in third. So Milwaukee's in third. They're a game and a half behind Milwaukee. The Knicks are in fourth. And they're a a half game ahead of Philadelphia. And they are two and a half games ahead of the Pacers, who are in sixth. Now, clearly, you don't want to face, you don't want to be seven, eight, nine, ten. You're not trying to be in the play-in situation. You're just not. You're not trying to be there. Okay. Fortunately for the Knicks, during this struggle, the Bucks have lost 7 of 10. The Sixers have lost 7 of 10. Pacers are 5 and 5, and the Knicks are 5 and 5, and the Knicks have lost 4 in a row. Okay? So really, it's been the Celtics who have gone on the tear, and, and Cleveland really has been the hottest team, among the hottest teams in the NBA. Uh, they've won 9 of their last 10. And Boston had won eight of their last 10. So those are the two top teams. So at some point, the question becomes, can this Nick team hang in? Hang in and understand that, okay, we got injuries. Let's see what we can do. And the other question is, what other moves are they going to make? What other moves can they make with folks who are you know, that you can sign and get off teams. You know, I thought Miami made a move earlier uh, over, over the weekend that they made a move to add another player to their team that was signed off a roster. You know that Dinwiddie, the former net, when he was traded, he was signed off the roster. He's now in, um, he was traded to Toronto. They put him on waivers and he was signed with, uh, with the Lakers. So you can make adjustments to your roster. 
Will the Knicks decide to make a, uh, an adjustment to the roster? All right? Not picking on one person, but is Todd Gibson going to be able to give you the minutes, the effective minutes that you need because of you monitoring what's going on with Hardenstein and, and the injury that he's been dealing with? So these are the questions that you have to deal with. And as a Knicks fan, I'm concerned. Didn't have DiVincenzo the last game because he had an injury. So once again, it's a nice reset for them. It's the five games off. They don't play again until Thursday when they are in Orlando. So uh, that's that's the question. Will they be able, in Philly rather, will they be able to hang in and continue to be okay? until they get the bulk of their folks back. They were okay for the most part, but eventually, I mean, your your depth is tested with all the injuries that they've had over and over and over again. And you add into that the players that they had to move to get better in trades. This has been a really interesting time for this Nick team. Jalen Brunson knows... Full well that even though they are injured, they have an obligation. They know that for them to stay in this race, they have to continue to play and play hard. Here's what he had to say during All-Star Weekend. We'll get to Jalen in a second. But you look at their schedule. Okay, you start with Philly. And that's important. Okay? that's a They're right behind you. So what you need to do there, I mean, coming out of the break, you need to win. Okay, I don't know. And Bede's not going to be available. So you still have to go out there and try to take advantage of Philly while he's not there. Sorry, Buddha. But that's just the way that's, that's the way it is as a Nick fan. That's how I'm looking at it. Okay, you got to try to go in and win that game. Uh, then you have Boston at home on Saturday. All right? Then you've got your home for Detroit home for New Orleans, and you're home for Golden State. That takes you up to March 3rd when you have a Sunday night game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which you expect is going to be a really big game. All right? Really big game. So once again, you come out on Thursday, you're at Philadelphia. Okay? Saturday night, you're home for Boston. It's going to be tough. Home for Detroit. Home for New Orleans. Home for Golden State. And then on Sunday, March 3rd, which is two Sundays from today, you have a night game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. At some point in time, when you hit March, you've got these five games. Considering the opponent, can you go three and two? I mean, can you? I mean, Golden State has not been a great team on the road. They've been better at home, obviously. They've not been good on the road. New Orleans, I mean, you got Zion Williamson coming in. Can you win that one? Detroit, you should win, but once again, I don't know who's going to be available for those. I don't know. Boston's going to be tough. I mean, it's a Boston Celtics team that, you know, from, from a size matchup, you got issues. You, know, you got Prozingis coming back. That's size, trying to match up with him. You got Brown and Tatum. Okay, you got Drew Holiday, who's outstanding defensively, who's going to be all over uh, uh, Jalen Brunson. These are not going to be easy games. All right. And the other important thing is, can you 
have that same defensive intensity? Can you have these guys playing the same way they played before the losing streak? Because as I mentioned, even during, even with the injuries, the Knicks were playing well. They were holding their own. They had won games in a row. They were on a winning streak. Before this happened, before the injuries got worse, they were holding their own. They were hanging in, even with no Randall, even with no Ananobi. They were still hanging in. And while you're trying to do this, you're also trying to incorporate Burks and Bogdanovich into what you like to do and your style of play on both sides of the floor. Now, Burks kind of knows. He knows the offense. He's been there before. Defensively, he does. Bogdanovich, you know, he's trying to get involved. He's trying to learn his position. He's trying to know what happens. Trying to be a a person that, okay, this is what we got to do. I get it. This is where I'm comfortable. I liked in the couple of games I saw him before he was going to the basket. Wasn't just relying on the three. That's good. I like to see that. So these are the things that I'm concerned about as a Nick fan. What about you? 1-800-919-3776. Arthur is in Roselle. Arthur, talk to me. How you doing, Larry? I'm all right. Good, good. This is my first time talking to you. I usually talk to Bart and, okay. all, um, you know, talk to Michael K. but it's good to talk to you. All right, thanks. The, the main thing I see from this stretch on, we and, and me and my buddy go back and forth about this all the time, is the minutes. I think trying to win those games, that once Randall and Ananobi went down, the amount of minutes that Hartenstein and DiVincenzo were playing led to the injuries. Uh, you know, so what we have to do, we I think Tibbs has got to watch those minutes. You can't have those guys playing those amount of minutes. They're not going to hold up. So, to me, I mean, yeah, I'm concerned about the seeding, but the main thing is just staying healthy for the rest of the season. And and, and you're you going to have to trust some other guys, but the main thing to me, once Hartenstein went down and David Jones over there, not, once Hartenstein went down, that was it. He was playing good, but he can't play those amount of minutes. He's going to have to trust Jericho Sims on the floor and get Hartenstein back down to maybe 28 minutes a game, something like that. You know, but you can't have him in heart. And look, look at DiVincenzo. Look at the amount of minutes he was playing. Mm-hmm. Look at Precious Achua. That wears your body down. So thank God for the All-Star break. That's going to help. But when we come back off of this, I think Tibbs has got to do a really a high, you know, like he's really got to watch these minutes and how, how long he keeps guys on the floor. Because even without, uh, I think without Randall and OG, we still can compete. We showed that we can compete, mm-hmm. but we have to be healthy. We, you can't have these guys playing 43 minutes a game. It's, it's going to wear you out. I hear you, Arthur. Thanks for the phone That's call. Um, unfortunately, when you look at the people that were lost, I mean, and what you have on the floor, he's going they're going to have to play more minutes. It, it's you your depth has already been tested. A with the injuries and plus, I mean, Sims with Sims in foul trouble, Achua has to play minutes. Okay? Without Hartenstein, you know, and I hear what you're saying about the minutes, and that's been a knock against Tom Thibodeau forever. But when you think about it, you look at the average box score, your starters in this league 
average, I would think, just off the top of my head, 34, 35 minutes a game. Now, you're saying, Larry, that's not 43 or 44. You're right. It's not 43, 44. But once again, now that you've got injuries, and because Jericho Sims, who was also injured, and you had to bring him back slowly, so his minutes were being monitored because he had been ill. So now you're looking at, okay, we got to get minutes from somewhere. We can't continue to go small because when we go small, we get killed on the boards. So it's been a tough, tough situation to navigate for Tom Thibodeau because this team is trying to go as deep into the postseason as possible and seeding is important. Just is. And so I hear what you're saying. And in theory, you are correct. But I don't think that's going to change because coming out of the break, you're going to have to play these guys a lot of minutes. If you're saying to me, Larry, let's do a better job of, okay, you've got to play him X amount of minutes. Are there ways where you can steal minutes? Okay, we've got two minutes left to go before halftime. All right, we pull Hardenstein out then. Then he's got the two minutes of the half and then between the half and then the halftime. And then maybe we can bring him in a little later at the start of this. We have to bring him in at the start of the second half. Can you manage where you rest him better so that he's able to get more rest? Okay, that's possible. That's possible. But that's game determined. Okay, If they've got a big lineup and I'm getting killed on the boards, I kind of need him out there. I kind of need Sims out there. I kind of need the chewer out there. I do. So that's where Tibbs has got to juggle. And he may have to make an adjustment that way. For me, the biggest adjustment he's going to have to make is with Jalen Brunson. How does he pick and choose those minutes when he can – steal a couple of minutes with Brunson on the bench and not think that the game is going to get away from him. So I got to rush to put him back in. I, I, I can't, I can't take that chance. I got, I got to make sure he's back in the game. I, I, the game will get away from me. And hopefully now with Burks and with uh, Bogdanovich and uh, with v, uh, DiVincenzo back and healthy or close to being healthy, he will be more comfortable in doing that. And with Josh Hart, He'll be more comfortable with saying, okay, I can get away with resting him a couple more minutes where I have him because I'm, I know I'm going to need him for the fourth quarter. Okay, let me juggle how I rest him so that I can have him rested and ready to go in the fourth quarter. It's going to have to be some adjustments. There's no question about that. We'll continue with the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. We just went through some dog days, obviously with our health being um, the focal point. And I think for us, we can't just look and say, hey, we're just we're trying to get ready for playoffs and have that mindset. Like, no, we got to get better every single day we're on the practice court, every single day we're on the whatever court we're on, home or away. It just has to be our mindset. We just can't relax. It's just something that is easy to do when you're preparing to try and make a long run. But that's the quickest way to have the shortest run that you can have. Hmm. Jalen Brunson knows what's at stake. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, you you have to obviously understand the long-term situation. Excuse me. You have to understand that, okay, we want to get to the postseason with the best seed that we have. But guess what? To be able to do that, you got to play well. Every game is important. Coming out of this stretch – Every single game is important. 
Now, fortunately for them, they were able to build up a little equity in the season before the mass injuries added up on being on that winning streak. But then they kind of gave it back and losing the four in a row, right? And then got other people hurt. So, yes, they have to do a better job. Everything is about on the practice court. Everything that Jalen Brunson said is a thousand percent correct. And it starts when they come out Thursday night against the Sixers. It's when it starts. Jans and Yonkers, what's up, Jan? Hi, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, Jan. How are you? Uh, not too good. I'm a little nervous, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm still seething red mad about that Houston Rockets game that we protested, and we hadn't gotten a resolution to that game because that can affect our seating uh, in the conference. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Number two, not only our defense has to get better, but our offense has to get better. If you notice the last couple of games, if we're missing, when we have missed three-point shots, the other teams have made three-point shots. (laughs) Okay? Also, they're rebounding more than we are. Uh, And what what happens if Julius Randle doesn't come back and and it's a season-ending injury? Then what do we do? So I'm, I'm very pessimistic about our season right now. I'm trying to stay positive, but I don't really know how to, I don't really know which way to go right now. And thanks for taking my call. You're doing All right, Jim. Thanks for calling. All right. First of all, let's take them one at a time. First of all, uh, don't expect anything to change from that Houston outcome. They're not going to, then I don't see them playing the game again. I don't see them not saying it's a loss. That game, from my understanding, and from the history of how those things have gone, that of the hundreds of games that have been protested, that only six or seven have been uh, turned around and adjusted, Jan, don't expect that. That's going to be a loss. Number two, I understand what you're saying about the lack of offense and the lack of defense, but Jan, your team is hurt. And I'm not saying that that means that we don't play hard. We're not going to try. They're trying. But part of it is the fact of, okay, what do we do? We're, we're, we're smaller. Do we challenge on the boards or do we try to get back and make sure that we sprint to the other end of the court and get back on defense? So they've got, they've got decisions to make. So I'm not really, I'm not as concerned as you are about the offense and the defense because I understand who's on the floor. And when you see who's on the floor for them, they're doing the best they can. Now, coming out of the break, okay, you expect that DiVincenzo's going to be better. Okay, he's been off. It'll be a week. And he didn't play the last game, so it'll be off six, seven days. So he should be better. Uh, the situation with Bogdanovich, who I was surprised who did not play in the last game, but he should be better. All right, you've got some folks who have played who have played some minutes. Uh, you know they should be better. They should be available and rested. Okay, so that's what you hope for coming out of the break. That they will be able to, with the folks that they have, to be able to at least perform enough that they are competitive and will be close to what they were when Randall was first out and Ananobi was first out. That's what you hope for. That's all you can hope for right now. 
as far as what happens with Randall, Jan, it would obviously it changes the whole perspective of what you're trying to do in the postseason. It changes it. And you have to then make a move to try to do something else. Are you going to try to sign some more depth? Are you going to try to sign somebody off somebody else's squad? Then you cross that bridge when you come to it. And clearly, they'll have a decision to make in the next couple of weeks. Because then they will find out what Randall's situation really is. Then they'll have to make that choice. Or they'll decide what to do then. But until then, Jan, the only thing they can do is just play the people they have, do the best they can, and hopefully Randall comes back and Ananobi comes back and you can then begin to pick up and try to get close to where you were because even then when they immediately come back, you still have issues because you can't just put them in. You're not going to just bring them both back and start playing them 40 minutes. Stop shaking your head, Nick Vince. Uh, you got to ramp them up a little bit. I mean, they will have been out. Like, Randall's been out, what, seems like four months. has a bit, but it seems like he's been out a while. Okay? And Anobi's been out a while. So you're going to have to ramp them back up, get their win, get them back into NBA shape, and bring them along so that wherever you are going to the postseason, they'll be able to play and will be effective. That's what you're looking for right now. That's that's the whole situation you have, Jan. That's the way it is. So um, hang in there, my friend. We'll see. We'll, we'll get an idea of who's available. When they all report back, they'll probably have a practice on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then they have a game on Thursday. When we return on the Larry Hardesty Show, that was my Nick concerns. As you know from listening to Gordon Damer and myself on ESPN New York tonight, Monday through Thursday from 9 to midnight or following our sports coverage, um, I'm concerned about the Mets. But a conversation I heard on the Michael K show with Don and Michael gave me a little bit more hope. I'll explain next on 987 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty show on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, for me, I think that number one goal is just being healthy through the uh, through the course of the year. I, I love it here. I definitely have envisioned myself of, of being a lifelong Met. That's a that's something that I've definitely thought about. And I love I love New York. It's a really special place uh, for my family and I. And I've definitely thought of the idea. I've definitely welcomed the idea. But I can't predict the future. For me, I just want to focus on. On this season, I just want to be the best person I can be. And I've sat back and, and listened and just want to be the, the best player I can be. That's it. We're not going to get into the specifics of any particular negotiation. Um, I'm not going to provide you guys updates on any conversations that uh, exist back and forth. But look, when you have a really talented player who's really good, who's entering his final year of club control, who happens to be represented by Scott Boris, these things generally end up into free agency. And we understand that. This is an organization that's dealt with that before with really good players, and it's ended up in a perfectly fine spot. So I have not seen Pete here yet, haven't talked to him here yet, but what we're going to talk about is look let's go out and have a great year together you go out have a great year let's have a great year as a team and if we do that we're both going to be set up the organization and pete going to be set up very well going into the offseason obviously that's met president of baseball ops david stern who um that was before train, spring training and that's pete alonzo who recently has said his expectations don't want to be a met it's the larry hardesty show here on 98.7 espn and so 
if there were the number the number one thing that I am very concerned about with this Met team is what's going to happen with Pete Alonso. So by hearing that, I am to understand that Pete Alonso right now is going to be Aaron Judge. And that Pete Alonso this year is playing for his contract. And if he takes a page out of what Aaron Judge did for the Yankees, Pete Alonso is going to make a lot of money. Because Aaron Judge, you talk about betting on yourself, that is, he is the poster boy for betting on yourself and it being successful. And I think Pete Alonso, if he stays healthy, can be that person that can really test the Mets on what they're going to do about signing him. Now, in the back of my mind, do I remember that there was some conversation that, you know, they were talking about trading him and whatnot? Yet that's in the back of my mind. And I would love to keep him. And I also am aware of, you know, uh, David Stearns and his situation with analytics and how he may view what, um, how he may view what, you know, Peter Alonso is going to be and, and average and fielding and so on and so forth. I get all that. I understand that. I can only hope that Peter Alonso has a Peter Alonso year and helps this team out. My biggest takeaway, and once again, I thought Michael and Don had a fabulous back and forth. With And Michael was on the side of, much like what Gordon Damer says to me, that the Mets in the offseason really didn't do anything, that they really did not improve their team, that uh, they could have went out and got Yamamoto. They did not get Yamamoto. And you could argue that Yamamoto clearly wanted to go to the Dodgers and there's nothing they could have done. However, when you understand that uh, from a Mets standpoint that you've got an owner who can spend a lot of money, the question is, if he really wanted him, could he have spent enough money to change his mind? We will never know. The ship has sailed on Yamamoto, so I can't cry about that. My biggest issue, okay, with the Mets, my biggest issue is the fact that during this tenure, they've not had a DH. And I get that it's one position, and I get that, you know, okay, so they don't have a DH. There's other people that can hit and so on and so forth. The baseball is not one person in the lineup. Well, Okay, in today's game, it is. And when you have a person like Pete Alonzo who can get hot and take over a team for a couple of weeks, okay, then he needs protection in the lineup. Francisco Lindor has been very good. Has he been what I expected? Close to last year was close to what I expected from Francisco Lindor. I have no problems with him. He plays every day. Even in an area in an era where we talk about resting guys and analytics and not burning them out and planning the, looking at the season calendar before the season and planning days off and stuff like that that we talk about in this era of Major League Baseball and analytics, I get it. But he's a guy that plays every day. Buck Walter was like, I have to beg him to get him out of the lineup. So I respect that about him. And he, for really, for the most part last year, he produced. Did he have a tough part of the season? <laughs> they all do. Everybody does. It's a long season. So that, but for me, I was looking for them to do something that made them at least more of a chance to get into a wild card. Doesn't mean that they won't be into a wild card. Doesn't mean, as Don mentioned with Michael yesterday, that they, uh, on Friday, that they have to go out and overpay for free agents. I don't want them to overpay. And I thought, 
you know, Steve Cohen did a great job in jettisoning from the two pitchers in Scherzer and Verlander last year. I, he he did a great job in that, and did they weren't going anywhere. So let's move on. Let's get what we can for these guys. Yeah, we spent the money, and that's what the money was able to do. He was able to get rid of them. I mean, you know, the Yankee fans wish that, that the Steinbrenners would do that with Giancarlo Stanton. Can you just sign them and get them out of here? Can we, can we get, clear that spot in the roster and get somebody else? I get it. I understand that. He did a good job there. And they're going to turn it over to the kids. I enjoy seeing the kids. Okay? I, I'm curious to see what they look like. But for me, I'm coming off, I'm looking at a team that was, that won 101 games. Okay? I'm looking at a team that I expected to do better last year. Okay? They didn't. I get that. And I get the idea that they're looking ahead. Okay, let's. there's not a whole lot of free agent talent out there, so let's go and do the best we can. Let's set everything up for 2025 when we know, okay, we will have a chance to evaluate the young players. We'll have a chance to evaluate Vientos. We'll have a chance to evaluate Beatty. We'll see what's going on, and then we'll be able to get the big free agent next year in 2025. I, I, I get the game plan. I do. I'm just one. I don't like throwing away seasons. I'm a Met fan. I've thrown away enough seasons. I know what throwing away seasons are. I've seen it. I've lived it. I'm looking at a team that with a couple of changes for me, I think could have a chance to be the second wild card with a couple of changes. Now, this is no disrespect to Luis Severino. I have been a fan in a sense of, of Luis Severino because when he was healthy, what I was impressed by was the fact that his velocity, when he was really rolling, his velocity, it seemed like it didn't go down from the first inning to the seventh or eighth inning. Okay? But that's not the same Luis Severino. This is a Luis Severino that's been that's been hurt. This is a Luis Severino that obviously that you're betting on if you're David Stearns and company that, okay, he said he was tipping pitches. He's going to make the effect. We're going to work with him. He'll be okay. All right. I get it. But I, I don't know that. I don't know what I'm getting from him. Yes, I get, in theory, it's a workable contract. It's okay. I, I'm, I need results here. So that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that the moves the Mets have made, for the most part, have been to... Uh, add depth to certain areas that they expect Jeff McNeil to be really good this year. And so do I, but who's my third baseman? Is it Beatty? And what if Beatty doesn't work? What are we going to do there? Am I expecting Starling Marte to be the Starling Marte that first came here? That was that to me, had he not been hurt, they would have been different in that series in Atlanta. I mean, he had, he didn't play play all, play last year, and I get he was great in winter ball, but is he going to be able to stay healthy? So what what what's my right field looking like? Okay, I, 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 Harrison Bader when he played, I thought he was excellent defensively in center field. Uh, you no know, big phrase when he played. So uh, it's not that they brought in players who, yes, they were. Okay, yeah, it's workable deal, but these guys haven't been available. And so what happens if that trend continues? Then where am I? So 
apparently for what the Mets, their game plan is, okay, listen, either they'll work or they won't. If they don't work, then you know what? We know what we have to get next year or we'll bring some people up from the minor leagues and give them an opportunity to perform and then we'll have a chance to reevaluate where we are. Okay. And as Don says, if it works out, it will be a fun season that you don't expect. And it could be like Arizona. Okay, great. If that's what it is, I guarantee you, Tom Harvey, you can roll this, you can roll this audio and I will listen to it and I will apologize and say how wrong I was. But unfortunately, some of my experiences of methane says to me that this is not going to be the year that I think it will be. I am hoping and praying to be wrong. I would love to sit here and listen to myself and shake my head and laugh and say, boy, was I wrong. I would love it. I would love to be the second or third wild card. I would love it. would love it. But realistically, here's what I know. Uh, Atlanta continues to get better. Philly is not bad. And who's going to be, what's the chances of me being Arizona this year? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be Arizona. Am I happy that Edwin Diaz is back? Absolutely. I love that Diaz is back. I love it. That's the, the best closer in the game. Okay, best closer in the game. I, how am I getting to him? We'll wait and see. They made some adjustments to the bullpen. We'll see how that works out. But from an offensive standpoint, am I confident that I have pro- protection for Pete Alonzo in this order? And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm concerned about that. 1-800-919-3776. Your calls are next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The feedback was good. Again, first time throwing off the mound here in camp is always the next day. How is he going to bounce back? Those are some of the questions, right? That you always kind of having those dialogue, those conversations. But as soon as he got off the mound, he felt really, really good. Working on all of his pitches and all that. But my expectation is that he's going to be an impactful player for us. We all seen it before, uh, especially when he's healthy. Stuff is electric. And we're expecting him to provide a lot of innings and quality innings. So, yeah, he's going to be a, a huge part of what we're trying to do here. Carlos Mendoza, the new Met manager on Luis Severino and what you saw from him in his first spring trading pitching outing. It's the Larry Hardesty Show for the next couple of minutes. Remember, we've got the Islanders Rangers at the top of the hour. Islanders broadcast on 1050 ESPN. Rangers broadcast right here on 98.7 ESPN. I will say this before I get to the phones. Uh, I was... I expected that there was going to be a change at manager because David Stearns was coming in and he's going to want his own guy. I was sad to see Buck Showalter go, although I will say last year I wasn't sure what he could or didn't do. He just didn't, it didn't seem to be the same situation. Okay. Yeah, they had some injuries and stuff, but they just weren't playing well. So I, you had to, I guess you had to make a change. I would have been okay for Buck coming back one more year to see what would happen, but he's not back. I'm very curious to see Carlos Mendoza. I've liked what I've heard from him so far. I think he's a great choice. Uh, But ultimately, we'll find out about him when you have your first, uh, you know, controversy or bad situation, a long losing streak, which I hope we don't have, or a tough spot in the in during the season. That's when you find out when when adversity hits. That's when you find out a lot about your manager and your team. Samson San Antonio, what's up, Sam? You're next on ninety eight seven. 
What's going on, Larry? Long time no speak. I hope all is well with you and the family, brother. But it's the beginning of the baseball season, so this is when we start to rendezvous. So um, I wasn't big on uh, David Stearns. I didn't know what the big hoopla was about him to begin with because in, in all reality, I don't remember the last time the, the Brewers won in a World Series. Do you? Uh, but all sarcasm aside, with you just bringing up a point of him letting Buck go because he wants to bring on his own people, I get it. I see why there weren't big moves made. However, that being said, with Stearns being a former Milwaukee Brewer executive, what I now expect from him is to bring in Corbin Burns next year as a free agent, unless, of course, he gets extended by Baltimore, which I highly doubt. But that's the one name now I expect him to bring over as one uh, person that's going to be a coveted free agent next year because we do, uh, we do need pitching. So if you're going to bring me that, I'll be okay with the signing of him and letting Buck go. But aside from that, uh, what I ultimately see happening potentially is because the Mets have a, uh, a really cool uh, thing about themselves that we always seem to bring in former all-stars, uh, future Hall of Famers as they're about to go on the downside of their career. So now I see them bringing in Paul Goldschmidt next year and letting Alonzo potentially go. That's just me as a cynic Mets fan. But once again, all jokes aside, I expect Corbin Burns in orange and blue next year. Uh, I'll let you go because I'm sure there's a lot of other people on hold. Larry, always a pleasure. Looking forward to speaking you, to you a lot this year. This year, hopefully on the good side. You have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, brother. Uh, you too, Sam. Thanks for the phone call. The other thing I think too, uh, along from along with uh, Corbin, uh, Sam is. Listen, I would think and hope that, and I personally expect that the Yankees will pull out all the stops to make sure they keep Juan Soto. I mean, I would expect nothing less. But I expect the Mets to be involved in that free agent com- free agent conversation as well. I expect that they will be in the run for Juan Soto. See, that's the difference. And even though Steve Cohen didn't spend what we may consider as Mets fans a lot of money this year, okay, the bottom line here is you know that you still have a shot. Okay, we, we, we criticized the Wilpons, and yes, they didn't spend money a lot, and when they did, it wasn't always the best decision. Okay? Uh, but you were never in on these names. You would have never been in on, on Max Scherzer. You would have never been in on Verlander to sign them as a free agent under the under the Wilpons. They weren't going to spend that money. You would never be in on Corbin Burton. You would never be in. So f- for me, in this scenario, which I agree with Don a thousand percent in his discussion with Michael Kay on Friday, was, okay, he doesn't have to, I want him to spend the money when it's going to be the right person. And yes, do I want sustainable success for my team? Absolutely. That's what you want. That's what I think the Knicks are building towards, where they have, they're building towards sustainable success, that they have parlayed their young folks, their young draft choices into the next level of player talent-wise. And now you have a chance to continue to build. And they still have their first-round pick. And so if somebody comes available a big-time, prime-time free agent comes available, you have the option. At least you're in the running. And that's the same way I look at it with Steve Cohen. When when the Wilpons were here, you couldn't even dream 
they would say these players are available, free agency. You're like, not for us. That's not happening. We're not spending that money. Whether we have it, whether we don't have it, whatever, we're not spending that money. Okay. And so that was, uh, you know, that was the thought process that we had as Mets fans. Okay. Well, now we don't have that. So if the, I expect, and look, I expect the Yankees are going to do their best to make sure, as I said, that they bring back Juan Soto. I do. But I also expect that the Mets will be able to counter offer and have a serious counter offer to try to bring him to Queens. And that's the positive side of what Steve Cohen has. And with that in mind, that's why I am not as much dejected as I was earlier before hearing the conversation and debate back and forth with Don and Michael. Because if indeed the plan is, and we knew it was about building the, the, the minor league system because Cohen had talked about that a lot. So we knew that was in the case. We knew that was possible. All right? So we knew that was going to be a goal, that that's what they really wanted to do. That was clear. It just happened. I kind of wanted them to do both. Right? I kind of wanted them, to Michael Kay's point, that you could do it at the same time, that you could build the system while also you know, adding to your 40-man roster in the majors and get better so you would have that opportunity to, you know, build and then, okay, bring people up in spots when you want to rest folks and inject them. Because, you know, like June, you get that June swoon, you get that time where the season's long, like right around the All-Star break in July and players, the vendors are just dragging. They're like, oh, my God, oh, the season's getting longer and longer. And then you have that influx of young young players that come in and just, you know, they're running around the clubhouse and they add energy and you have talent. You can rest some guys and do some different things. So that's what I'm hoping that they have. And maybe it'll come out that way. And like I said earlier, maybe Beatty learned from his situation last year and he knows what to expect now. And he'll be able to come up and be a bit more consistent than he was. All right. I'm looking for Francisco Alvarez who, you know, to me was a very pleasant surprise. Not from the hitting standpoint, because we knew what he could do at the plate. I knew what to expect from him and his bat. But we were all told, well, he doesn't frame well. He's not good defensively. He did pretty good. He did pretty good. And he only learned from that. And he learns. And he'll be better this year. Okay? And once again, Brandon Nimmo, uh, I think, will be more of Brandon Nimmo. I think he tried to become a power hitter last year. That's not his thing. So I think if he just goes back to being the contact hitter, saw an interview with Jeff McNeil on, I think it was the hot stove show, the Mets hot stove on SNY. And he talked about going back to being a contact guy. And that's what I want from Jeff McNeil. I want to make contact because he's fabulous at that. You know, I, I bat on the ball, make contact. That That's what I need from him. You know, yeah, I'm not going to turn down a home run, obviously, duh. But you know, if he can do that consistently, he can go back to being himself and, you know, that's what we expect. And, of course, the biggest thing is health. And so, ultimately, the question is going to be, will they have enough depth to hold on when they have issues? So, we'll see what happens with that. That's going to be the determining factor to the success of this Met season. That wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show. We thank you guys for joining us today.